Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I am excited to have Dr. Donna Chaco with us. Dr. Chaco is the new author of Amazon bestseller, Pilgrimage, A Doctor's Healing Journey. She practiced medicine for decades, first as a radiation oncologist and later as a family medicine doctor caring for the poor in Washington, D.C. Now, Donna works in the ministry she founded, Serenity and Health, to promote health of body, mind, and spirit. Welcome, Dr. Chaco. So glad to have you with us today. Thank you, Lauren, for that wonderful intro, and I'm happy to be here as well. Absolutely. So um, what a background. So many years uh, practicing medicine in in multiple fields. Can you tell us a little bit about all that? (laughs) Yes. Well, it was interesting life, I guess, to say. Um, Now, you know, I'm a um, wife, mother, and grandmother, and all of those experiences, plus all those decades of uh, working in medicine, just sort of changed how I think about health and medicine because I, I learned so much. Sure, yeah. And um, that's what prompted me to uh, develop a ministry about health of body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's what I do now. Yeah, so, so what of your experiences in the medical realm made you start thinking about, wait a second, there's three pieces here <laughs> and how all of those fit together? Yeah, you would think that would be terribly obvious to a doctor, right? But it, it really wasn't. You know, I, I started medical school in 1970, and there was no mind-body medicine mm-hmm. at all. Sure. And it was a disease-based model. You name the disease, the doctor gives a treatment, and you move on to the next. Of course. And I was programmed that way, and it, in my, it took a long time, and seeing... Um, I think it all came to a head when I worked in Washington, D.C., and I took care of immigrants and homeless people, and just seeing how health was so devastated by uh, stresses. Of course. All the social circumstances that make life so difficult and tenuous. So that was a huge part of it. And the other part that made me understand how suffering is just so much more than a list of diseases Uh was everything I went through in my uh, first marriage. It was a a long, difficult marriage. I married early, Mm -hmm. young, and, uh, you know, I took me a long time to look back and figure out um, and learn from that difficult experience. It took me to my knees. It took me to God. So it was really a turning point in my life, but still in all. Well, and then I assume you probably saw how that affected you personally from the body, mind, spirit perspective, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have, I'll always have tremendous empathy for the suffering of people in really difficult, difficult relationships, greatly troubled marriages when you really want it to work, but you're suffering so hard and you're just stuck and you don't know what to do and it's miserable and you're worried about your children and... There's many people who who endure these things, and that's suffering, uh, you know. And when I switched to primary care from the specialty, mm-hmm. that's when I saw that um, people come to the clinic with 
um, so many, and you know, Lauren, you see this all the time, so many complaints that are, are maybe three quarters of them are either caused by or aggravated by stress. Yes. You know? And, you know, I experienced all that, the people who can't sleep and have headaches and stomach aches and back aches and their snap at their kids and on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. up and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've certainly found that basically I, I, I usually explain to people that stress basically snaps whatever your weak link is. So that's what ends up kind of manifesting on the other end of that. And the way it can show up is different for any individual person. But you're right. Very often, probably 75, 80% of the time, it's playing a role if it's not primary. Right. So right. a good uh, way to describe it. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> yeah. So, so what prompted you to write your book? I mean, this was your own healing journey. Uh, do you, what, what made you feel like you needed to share this with the world? After I retired, I started this ministry working with folks um, uh, to help them feel better because I, I realized like in my church that there's so many people are not healthy and they don't have healthy habits and they're not fully aware that they have a tremendous ability to make change that would make them feel better. Mm-hmm. And so then I started writing a book about those things. In fact, I did write a book, um, but I, I, it was a self-help book. It was just sort of an extension of my work as a doctor. Um, and the surprising thing to me was as I continue with that project, my own journey deepened, Hmm. my social journey deepened. I started to realize that what I was writing was good. It was interesting, but it wouldn't touch anybody it wouldn't move anybody to think about their life and I read this book it was a moment in time a specific self-help book that happened to have huge amount of personal story the author made herself very vulnerable Mm -hmm. telling her her story and as I read it I realized my goodness the only reason I'm reading that I keep reading is to learn more about this woman Mm -hmm. not her facts and figures right and when I decided to switch to um, some sort of a memoir. But um, I didn't know that would take me to many hard and deep places uh, when I started doing that because it it was a lot more challenging to do it, to understand, to write honestly. That's when I went to the therapist for the first time after I finally read my diaries from so many years ago. And I, I really learned a huge amount about myself and some of these automatic behaviors that I didn't even know I was doing for decades that okay. caught, you know, so much grief in my life. Right. And so that's when this evolved into a memoir. And it was by this time, my spiritual journey had progressed. I had, I finally understood if you're going to have a relationship with God, you have to give him some time, some of your precious, precious time, you know? Right. <laughs> and, um, so it this felt like a calling. Right. And it, you could call my book a prescriptive memoir, but really it's a spiritual memoir, I think, mm-hmm. showing how health and faith are linked for me and for everyone that has a faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. As you say, that when you get vulnerable and you tell your story, that's the power of story, right? Like, I think that's part of the reason why Jesus taught in parables, because we could yeah. remember them, we could identify with them. Mm-hmm. That's why we love, you know, fiction, nonfiction, all of the above, because you can actually feel, you can recognize and identify for sure. 
Right. So um, very cool. So in your book, you talk about prayer practices that really help to transform your life and can help to transform others. So uh, first question, did you identify those as part of the therapy? Was this something that your therapist identified to you or was this something the Holy Spirit showed you? Uh, not from the therapist. Gotcha. Uh, it was interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the, and the, the origin of, of those two prayer practices, each was different. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to answer it in two parts. Okay. <laughs> sounds good. The, the first, Prayer practice, and th- these are dramatic things for me. Th- this, these two prayers. Who would have thought that I would be, you know, Dr. Chaco, physician, would be touting prayer practices? And and I don't t- talk about these prayer practices um, as health maneuvers. But what I gradually came to realize was how um, it was almost like there was a collateral benefit Mm -hmm. these wonderful wonderful practices that brought me closer to god and helped me know myself and it was kind of startling Mm -hmm. so anyway the first practice is a meditative quiet prayer Mm -hmm. and um everybody's heard of meditation right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, but when i was writing my self-help book that i never finished um i researched in tremendous detail stress and and then I re- researched the relaxation response which is the way to reverse stress yep. learned about meditation and all the science and research done on the monks mm-hmm. who were meditating and how that reversed their stress response and the more I studied about meditation I thought wow this is pretty cool all these people forever and ever have meditated to somehow feel better transform themselves find their God, mm-hmm. different reasons, right? For different cultures, different faiths. Um, but I just still, I just was not called to, to meditate. It somehow didn't fit with your paradigm. Yeah. yeah. What I thought was my faith. Right. And um, another moment when one of my daughters said, well, mom, why don't you just, why don't you do centering prayer? And I had heard of centering prayer. For the listeners who don't know, it's um, a type of quiet, receptive prayer where you don't use words or specific thoughts. You just you allow yourself, you put yourself in the presence of our Lord for a predetermined amount of time mm-hmm. to basically surrender to his presence, to say yes to his presence and action during the time, whether it be 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And um, it's it's described in great detail by some more modern authors like Thomas Keating and Richard Rohr and Pennington. And they try to take the long, long history of Christian meditators, you know, from the Desert Fathers and St. Augustine and mm-hmm. St. Teresa of Avila and all those people, John of the Cross, and, and describe it in a, a more understandable way for regular people like us. Sure. And I started studying that and it was it was so remarkable to me. Um, one of the hardest parts about it was for me was that I had to give up control t- 
total control of that much time. Mm -hmm. So say I was going to do 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And uh, because one of my problems I came to learn about myself was I was pretty obsessed with my time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you might identify with this. Uh, I sure do, yeah. (laughs) Sort of this control and that every moment has to be uh, used for and efficiently for something productive. And so to just, you know, sit there and in a way kind of like just to be and do nothing was like one of the hardest things. But I realized that God really wanted me to do that. That was what I was called to do, to just surrender for once my control over my time to be with him and just be in that presence and whatever happened happened mm-hmm. and so i started doing that mm-hmm. and it was ex- extremely challenging in the beginning but um i continued and uh, i have continued now i try and do it 20 minutes twice a day which is not what i ever could have done when i was working mm-hmm. um in the clinic but you know back then i couldn't even find five minutes or ten minutes yeah. for nothing i was just so busy and uh, so anyway, I, I recognize now that this practice gradually, gradually um, slowed down my brain metabolism in some way so that I was able to sit and just mm-hmm. rest with the Lord. And uh, it, it's they you know, experts and people who write about this a lot comment that with time you, you start to feel a gradual um, change. I, I, if I were to describe it best, I would say maybe less reactive. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can definitely see that. And what about the in the process? Do you feel like it's easier for the Holy Spirit to get through to you either during that time or in the rest of your time since you've started implementing that? Well, yes, I do. Of course, it's nebulous and hard to describe and hard to quantify, of course, right. but I... And it goes along with all the other growth things that have happened over my last 10, 15 years. But mm-hmm. um, I just I just feel my brain is more relaxed and able to go with God's flow and that I don't necessarily have to be in charge of every second, every time, and be so rigid as I was. And I, I used a phrase in my book that, um, because this, I, I should comment because you asked about therapy. I started this before therapy, but I know, I think, this helped me be open to therapy. I was always very close to therapy. Mm. I was open to counseling if you had a problem, but just like therapy to understand yourself. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was a little bit close for it. But I, uh, I used the analogy of a sponge, and I think that it was like the... The centering prayer, the call it meditation, if that word doesn't offend you, some people don't like that word. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like it changed my brain from being this old, hard, scratchy, dried sponge mm-hmm. to one that gradually could take in a, a drop of here, a little bit there, and, and gradually got softer mm-hmm. and more easy to absorb things, like a like a sponge would change as it as it moistens. Yeah. And what did you find that you were more able to absorb on the other end of that? Well, it helped me realize that I I wasn't listening to people well at all. Mm-hmm. So just trying to be present to other people yeah. instead of up in my head all the time. Gotcha, gotcha. I think. Okay. 
I mean, that's an ongoing process, of course, <laughs> for all of us, for sure. And so what is the other prayer practice that you started implementing on top of that? Okay. The other one, and they overlapped mm -hmm. in time, um, I call my on-the-go prayer. Mm -hmm. And this came about, it's so interesting how the Holy Spirit works, because there's like, a, for every one of these major things in my life, there was like one moment. Mm, interesting. Yeah. This one started when I was browsing in um, a bookstore and saw a book called Sacrament of the Present Moment hmm. by Jean-Pierre de Cassade uh, on the books on the shelf. And this was written in the early 1800s by a Jesuit priest. Mm -hmm. And I just love the name, Sacrament of the Present Moment. That's why I picked it up because mm -hmm. um, I was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. And it's a book that's um, a slim, powerful, classic written with old-fashioned language and a fair amount of duplication as he makes his case. It's a series of his uh, teachings to uh, some nuns as he was their spiritual director. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he speaks about how we can just hold on to the divine action of each moment as we're there as a sacrament, as that moment, and just trust in the holy action of our Lord and that's all there is to our spiritual life. Mm -hmm. you just celebrate that. You're doing God's will at this moment. Yeah. And that's it. You don't have to worry about the past or the future. And mm -hmm. if you can be in that moment. And um, so I compared that to all the stuff I was reading about mindfulness. Because I was reading also trying to understand what mindfulness was. Right. And its relation to meditation and all the John Cabot's in there's some just wonderful stuff written that has nothing to do with um, faith or religion or God. But to me, this was the God centered mindfulness. This was yeah. like, Hey, I'm just going to be try and call on God each moment. Mm -hmm. And so to help me do that, I started saying a short, simple um, phrase from the Bible, like on call when I needed it, which was often. And my phrase was, my Lord and my God. And this is kind of like people who are in Eastern Orthodox religions. A lot of folks know about the Jesus prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a similar thing, Jesus, uh, which I can't recite, but it's a short thing. Jesus have mercy on me for we, I'm a sinner or something like that. Mm -hmm. So the way this works is that, uh, and I had to practice and say it over and over again in, in the beginning, but I decided I would say that prayer, my Lord and my God, Whenever I started worrying, getting angry, feeling myself get stressed, um, started, uh, you know, getting anxious about the schedule, uh, getting angry about the guy in front of me on the road, mm -hmm. or, you know, digging into the package of potato chips for no reason. <laughs> right. Um, but also for positive things, like if I just had a narrow miss on the on the road with the car or saw a beautiful moon or something, I would say, my Lord and my God. And each and every instant then would, would interrupt if it was a negative thing, um, allow me to take a breath and kind of get a fresh start. Right. And in the beginning, when I started doing this, it was very much, uh, it's the word, I was in control of when I said that. Mm -hmm. But it was quite miraculous because... Within a month or two, that prayer 
began to just automatically pop into my head. Mm. I would start to clench or get tight or get irritated. Or, yeah. And I've heard other people describe a similar thing about this automatic miracle of this prayer that just pops in and yeah. changes, changes the direction of your mind. It's a very, very cool thing. And I know it has helped me to be... Um, a bit more mindful than I used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it sounds like that perspective too. Um, it's just like it, 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 as you say, it it kind of turns your awareness to the fact that he's always there, he's always present, he's always listening, and you're renewing your mind essentially with scripture, just mm-hmm. like Paul talks about in Romans twelve, right? That's mm-hmm. fantastic. And so since you've started implementing these different types of meditative prayer and uh, the on-the-go prayer, as you described, what has happened? I mean, you've, you've described an increasing peace uh, in terms of both your spiritual and your physical well-being. Have you seen changes? Yes. Um, a lot of this stuff came about um, starting at the end of my time working in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. when I uh, really went downhill with some major stuff with burnout, mm-hmm. and I felt really lousy. When yeah. I, uh, I'd never been out of control in my head so much as that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and by the time I left the clinic, that was, I'm sure, a, a significant factor with some health problems I had, which um, are much better now. Mm-hmm. And... So I was, um, all of the, as I continued with these practices and as they grew, uh, it just helped me to stay grounded and close to the Lord as I, as I dealt with my own issues Mm -hmm. and with family problems and with, you know, all the stuff that we have to deal with. I I felt like I always had like a tool or a base or Mm -hmm. somewhere to go or something to do to, to, uh, solve my problems. Right kind of motivate me to stay in um, on the right path. For example, if I have, I, I ended up with the, having a hip replacement and sometimes I have uh, challenges mm-hmm. uh, with walking and stuff. You know, it's humbling when that happens and when you have to slow down and you can't do what you want. Right. But but I have somewhere to turn and something to do with these prayer practices that, that also motivates me to to do the right things, you know, to take care of myself and, and do the physical therapy and go for the walk and all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so your ministry, the, the Serenity and Health, I assume that you're teaching essentially the same things that we've just discussed, right? The meditative prayer yes. and on-the-go prayer. Awesome. So can you tell us maybe some a couple of stories of, of people that you've encountered as they've learned this process and how maybe it's transformed them? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think first of... Uh, one woman who I met in my very, very first program in uh, 2014. And uh, since then, she's become a really good friend, but I didn't know her then. And she she has just said that learning these, these basic things that we've just talked about mm-hmm. um, has just helped her so much be a more patient person and how people have commented about her piece mm-hmm. and she she really uh attributes it to just sort of a different way of thinking um about um our faith you know mm-hmm. uh, that we can it's okay to 
rely on God and rely on our faith practices, um, both for all of the wonderful spiritual connection we have and for the help we get, but but also for the the um, the secondary health gain. Mm-hmm. And um, so yes, that's that's one. Mm-hmm. And I, um, several of the of the folks, the lo- the most common thing I uh, I saw and and still do is is stress and stress-related complaints. Mm-hmm. Uh, our programs have become less because of uh, COVID and all. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not as active with in-person stuff, but um, the just, again, if you're, I, I'm thinking of one lady who was just so, so stressed out at, at work, feeling that the demands of the job were just, and the people sometimes just she couldn't deal with it, you know, mm-hmm. and we had talked about uh, deep breathing and um, did some breathing exercises mm-hmm. and as a way to um, reverse the stress response to ease that terrible feeling we all know about. Yeah, uh-huh. There's tightening and our jaws tense and anyway, sure. she uh, started a breathing um little exercise she did on her own at work when she needed it and was just so surprised um how how it helped her get through those those periods you know yeah absolutely so what are maybe a couple of takeaways that you want to make sure that you leave with our listeners today okay well i think the main one is that for any listener out there followers of Lauren, you know, you may really be in a crummy place right now. You you may feel lousy and not be not sleeping and have aches and pains or be depressed or, or just we're going through some hard times in our country and there, there's been definite health fallout and relationship fallout because of it. Um, but it, it, I think the main message is that you you can change. Things can be better. You have more power over your health than you think you do. But to exercise that power, you you have to separate out what you're trying to fix. That is your goals from your action plan, your little steps that you're going to take. Now, your goal may be you want to feel better. You want to lose weight. You don't want to be irritable. Major things that are not easy to change. You can't just decide to do those things and the next day start doing them. It just doesn't work like that. But you can positively start taking just small steps um, and um, be persistent with them. And I think depending on where where you're at in your spiritual journey and your your physical health. the perfect place to start is by slowing down enough to give yourself 10 or 15 minutes a day in quiet prayer of some kind. And and I realize many of your listeners, Lauren, probably have already do that, but maybe they were like me and they didn't have time. Or maybe somehow you have time for exercise, but you just don't have time for prayer. Mm-hmm. So I personally think, and my own experience could <laughs> I think has confirmed it that God is worth it and we're worth it to give him some totally absolute devoted time. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the first step. And after you do that, you and choose whatever prayer practice you like, or the Bible, or some sort of meditative prayer, like I mentioned. This is a zillion wonderful, wonderful, glorious possibilities. We're so blessed. Mm-hmm. But then you can you need to make other changes, little things, because to see a change, you know, you have to make a change. So mm-hmm. the goal, the critical thing is. You just have to start very small. You maybe you're going to walk 15 minutes three times a week if you don't walk at all now. And I'm just absolutely convinced that our loving God wants us to feel good. And if we turn to Him first and start small, He'll be there walking with us, and and we can start feeling better. And even more so if we turn to others and community or friends to do this. Uh, not alone. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And to that, I would add something I have definitely learned firsthand is that when I feel like I don't have time to do what I know that God is asking me to do, to focus and to, to put him first, when I do that, he blesses the rest of my schedule so that somehow, I don't know how he does it, but he does it every time, it, <laughs> the time expands. And suddenly, I, the time I thought I had to cut out this other thing in order to prioritize this, it all gets done. And whatever doesn't get done didn't actually need to, to anyway, and suddenly that becomes obvious. He just has this way of if you put him first, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you, right? So he's always, always faithful in that way, for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. So where can people go to learn more about you? Well, I would love to get to know all of your listeners and have and would love to share with them some of what I've learned. Um, there's a couple things. One is I write a uh, monthly blog, and I'd love to have your listeners uh, sign up for that. I'll send you something called Three Keys to a Holy, Happy, and Healthy Life, which kind of summarizes a little bit of what we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So my um, website is serenityandhealth.com. That's serenity and health, three separate words, mm-hmm. uh, dot com. And uh, I have also a book page on my website. My book is called Pilgrimage, A Doctor's Healing Journey. And it's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And you can learn read a lot more about it uh, all on my website. Awesome. So, um, yes, it would be great to say stay connected. I, I love what you do, Lauren, and how you're, um, you head off your, your uh, podcast by saying it's about how to get and stay healthy God's way. Mm-hmm. And he wants us to be, to be happy and to feel well, and he'll help us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So fantastic. I will link in the show notes to those resources for people to go pick them up. And thank you again, Dr. Chaco, so much for your time. Really appreciate all your wisdom today. Thank you so much, Lauren. And thank you for all you do as well. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you. So please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren Deville.
If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.